Practical Research Parenting Podcast. Here's your host, Nicole Weeks. Welcome back. This episode, I talk with Dr. Cole Whittingham about some new perspectives on sleep associations, tired cues, and incorporating mindfulness. So it sounds very um, child-directed, I guess. So to what extent do you build in ways that the parent can also meet their own goals? I guess something I'm thinking of is I did a lot of co-sleeping, baby-wearing and feeding to sleep. Um, My kids were young. And found that the hardest part was the restriction of caregivers. So it was only me who could feed to sleep and not everyone was willing to or able to carry the baby around for an hour or more. So it meant that basically it had to be me. Mm. Um, so how does possum sleep intervention sort of address those those issues that come mm. for the, the mm. mother or the caregiver? Sure. And I've heard that a, a few times as well, that... that mm. uh, um, I guess, experience. Um, And what I would say is um, within the possum sleep intervention, it's very much about that flexible experimentation. Mm. So understanding these principles of the the biology of sleep and how it works. Um, And also, you know, I'll just flag here, I want to talk a little bit about how ACT plays into it too. Mm. Yeah, that would be good. But um, but understanding that as, as as well, and then um, being able to flexibly figure out you know how that works for you and for 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 Bob. So often when if someone's in that situation, I mean I think um, one of the big pieces of, of advice that, that that I would say is that we can get stuck in thinking that everyone who cares for baby has to be doing the same thing. Mm. And and that's actually just 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 not the case at all. Yeah, um, it's, it's not the case at all. Um, so babies will learn um, that each of their caregivers are different, mm. and and each caregiver can find different ways of of caring for for the baby. Mm. Um, and so it's really a common experience, for example, with breastfeeding mums yeah. um, that. Um, the baby um, will, if the baby's with mum mm. and baby would like to have a little sleep, baby's feeling sleepy, mm. uh, uh, the baby may ask mum uh, for a feed. Mm. And yet, um, and in fact, if the mum tries to get baby to go to sleep some other way, mm. like, um, you know, nursing baby or, or um, singing to baby or rocking baby or whatever, mm. the baby might um, make it very, very clear that, no, I want to feed, thanks, mum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, and yet, um, dad or, or granny or um, or grandpa might have lovely success in getting baby to fall asleep on a in a rocking chair or with a or something. And often, breastfeeding mums then sort of blame themselves for this and think, "Oh gosh, you know, I mustn't be. I'm not as good at parenting my baby as as all these other people who came mm-hmm. from because they can all get baby to fall asleep." you know, using the rocking chair or something, and all I can do is get them to sleep with a feed. Yeah. But, in fact, baby's not silly. Baby knows you've got the, the breasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> baby knows the other caregivers don't. You know, baby's not going to push daddy for a feed when baby knows that's not something daddy can give. Mm-hmm. But if you if something you can give, baby will will push you for it. If that's baby's preferred way to to get to sleep, mm. so 
a baby is quite capable of learning that 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 she or he can get different things from different caregivers. Mm. So my advice would be for for the mums to um, and for the primary caregivers, if that's not if that's not the mum, mm. is you know you as a primary caregiver, you definitely need your life to be with baby as easy and relaxed as it can be. Mm. So if baby dropping off to sleep on a feed is easy and relaxed for you when you're taking care of baby that's fantastic you know or you know putting baby in a in a possum pouch or or Mm. whatever that's fantastic now the other people who care for baby so dad and you know gran or grandpa or or auntie or whoever whoever it is Mm. they need to also find ways that are relaxed and easy for them to care for baby and get baby to sleep and they need to jump in and do some of that flexible experimentation themselves. It doesn't have to be the same way you do it. Mm. It can be a different way. And um, and if you're not right there, if you're yeah. physically, you know, in a bit of a separate space so baby can't sort of look across and know, oh, hang on, there's mum. Mm. Hey, mum, where's that feed? Then, then baby will actually learn to find a way. They will get in sync. They will find a way together. So mm-hmm. it's about those other caregivers often persisting and experimenting and being flexible and finding a way that works for them and baby. And, you know, there's many ways to get a baby to sleep. There's rocking chairs, there's lullabies, there's walking back and forth, there's um, putting them in a pram and taking them for a walk. And putting them in the pram just rocking them back and forth, um, you know, in the lounge room. There's, there's many ways. Mm. It's lying in bed with, with, with baby if it's during you know, if it's during the day, you can lie in bed with baby while baby yeah. has a nap and read a book. Or you can lie in bed with baby while baby falls asleep and then pop baby in, in, into the cot or, or you know, mm. what, whatever. There's many ways. So everyone needs to sort of experiment flexibly and find the ways that works for them. Yeah. So you've probably heard people say that um, feeding to sleep creates the association between feeding and yeah. sleep and then it's really hard to break. Uh, do you think that doesn't occur or do you think by having all these flexible methods and other people caring for the baby that because there's other associations with sleep that doesn't become an association or, yeah, what's what's your stance on it? Okay, so I think it's a lot, yeah, a lot more complex than mm. that, you know, sleep association between feeding and sleep can be created by feeding yeah. sleep. It's much more complex than that. So first of all, there, there is an, an innate neurobehaviour of um, tending to feel quite relaxed when you've got a full stomach. So it's even present in adults. So if yeah. you have a nice, satisfying meal, you do often feel a bit relaxed afterwards. And if it so happens that your sleep homeostat is telling you that you're in need of sleep mm. and you're feeling a bit of sleep pressure, that relaxed state will trigger you to also feel a bit sleepy and it'll feel quite easy to drift off and have a sleep. Yeah. So it's not just a, an association that's been learnt. Um there is actually an innate neurobehaviour underlying mm. it as well, without a doubt. Um, there's also the fact that um, focusing it in on saying, you know, it's association between feeding and sleep, like the feeding is then cueing, um, cueing sleep. Mm. 
amass the 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 idea of what actually is the appropriate cue of sleep. So often in interventions where they talk about the importance of not feeding to sleep and not making an association between feeding Mm. and sleep, when they talk about what the appropriate um, associations are to build with sleep, Mm. what the appropriate cue should be, they talk about them as being things like being placed in a cot in a darkened Mm. room um, as being the appropriate cue. Yeah. Now, in fact, when you look at the literature on insomnia and sleep difficulties in, in adults, mm. um, they, which is also a behavioural literature, the um, any external association with sleep is potentially problematic. We all do develop mm. some associations with sleep. Mm. So it's not the, the case that we all have to get panicked about having any association with sleep. But having sleep primarily driven by um, an external stimulus, whether Mm. it's the time on the clock or, um, you know, is not not great. The most appropriate cue for sleep is sleepiness. Mm. So, you know, sleep when you're sleepy, (laughs) in fact. And we all do, will develop some associations of sleep. So it's easier to fall asleep in your own bed rather than a hotel room. Yeah, right. You know, and that's fine. And your child's going to develop some of them as well. And they're going to change and shift over time. And, you know, don't, you don't have to worry particularly about that. Mm. The important thing is that we do know from the insomnia literature, from the literature on sleep difficulties, you definitely want one of the cues, the unimportant cue for sleep in your baby to be sleepiness. You want your baby to go to sleep when they're sleepy and you want feeling sleepy to cue that. Now, the problem when you add the feeding into the equation and then start talking simplistically about associations between feeding and sleep Mm. is the fact that feeding innately makes you feel relaxed. So I think for the... The overwhelming majority of the time when a baby falls asleep on a feed, it's the case that that feed is just relaxing baby and that the cue to sleep is really the fact that the baby's now feeling sleepy, that that sleepiness has come to the fore. So we don't really want to be interfering with that and trying to wake baby back up because we want baby to fall asleep when baby's sleeping. Yeah. That would be a big mistake to decouple that because that, that is very important. So, again, as, as you said, if you have any concerns about that, it's just about being flexible and experimenting with, you know, ba- and baby falling asleep, you know, in, in, in other ways too, as that, as that suits. But if baby cues for a feed, give them a feed. If they, if they fall asleep on the feed, don't worry about it. Yeah. If, you, if you find that feeding them to sleep is what is easiest and most relaxed for you in those early months, gosh, go for it. Yeah. Keep your life easy and relaxed. The babe, just because babies learn one thing doesn't mean they can't learn other things. Yeah. So they've learned right now to take in nourishment and nutrition mm. through breastfeeding or through feeding in a bottle, that doesn't mean they're not going to learn to eat a carrot one day, you know? Like it's you don't have to worry about the carrot right now. Like that's not holding them back from learning to eat the carrot. Just because they've learned one thing doesn't mean they can't learn other things. All of that will come with time with just flexible experimentation as suits you and baby through over time. Wonderful. 
Okay, yeah, I think that could be really liberating for parents, actually. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, so many shoulds and musts and there's a lot of and yeah, mm, yeah, mm. it can be very stressful. Absolutely, and that's not at all the the um, feeling of the, the possum sleeper. Mm. It's about look, let's understand what the literature says about things like life sleep, and now you know you actually know your life best. You know your baby best. You know, it's about you experimenting and finding what works for you. Yeah, I remember reading that. Um, there was a problem with the common advice around tired cues um, and I was wondering yes. whether you provided an alternative. So if you could just talk us through that, that would be great. Sure. Um, well, um, I suppose if I talk a little bit about what the, what we see as being the problem around around tired cues first of all and then I'll talk about what our ter- alternative is. Mm. So essentially the problem of tired cues is, well, it's kind of this concept of tired cues is kind of a bit of a um, – misunderstanding really of the attachment this is what we think anyway the attachment literature mm. and the literature around um the importance of, the, of a parent being able to read their child's cues mm. and follow their child's cues so um we agree that that is very important but then around this in the early um time of life there's come to be this sort of way of kind of classifying then infant behavior into set cues so like you can go online and google it and get a list of like pictures of um these are tired cues you know yawning pulling at the ears you know and it's almost as if you know they're there's this um, belief that the you know, infants speak this other language, some sort of mm. semaphore code or yeah. something, and if you just are able to decode the meaning, then that's it. That's what reading reading cues is. And, of course, mm. the problem is all of those things may be um, a cue for tiredness in a particular infant at a particular point in time, mm. um, you know, a particular sort of context, but all of those might be things that an infant does for a whole variety of reasons. So if you look at the one that's really the most clearly um, has the potential to be a tired cue, yawning, mm-hmm. right? Um, we can yawn for a whole variety of reasons. So yawning, yes, might indicate that you're tired, but we can also yawn because we've just seen another person yawn. Um, we can also yawn because we're actually feeling a bit bored. We're actually got a lack of sensory um, stimulation. We might yawn because, sure, we're tired, but not necessarily at a point where we're ready to actually go to sleep straight away you know maybe we had not as good a night's sleep the night before so we yawn a bit during the day but that doesn't actually mean we want to go to bed mm-hmm. um so th- that's I think where the, the problem is so um instead of trying to kind of read what baby does like it's a, a semaphore code and you can just mm-hmm. take a code book and flick through and then and then learn it mm-hmm. um instead we actually are giving more I think power back to the parents and saying look in fact, you will learn to, to read your baby's cues, but it's not that your baby's speaking some set other language of code that you've got to, got to you know, need a code book to work out. You'll get to know your baby with time as you get to know other people in your life, just as you've got to know, you know, your husband or your best friend or, you know, you'll get to know your baby with time. So it's about flexibly experimenting with things and learning to, and you'll 
gradually start to recognize the patterns in the way your baby interacts mm. um, and, and that's actually what it, what it's all about and I can see how act would fit in at there with understanding your your baby I guess the mindfulness around your baby would be part yes. of that Absolutely, and I think the flexibility there as well. Mm. So being able to, um, you know, you're noticing something that your baby's doing and you think, oh, baby might actually be, be, be sleepy at the moment. That might be what's going on. And so you mm. kind of, it's also a bit like being a scientist. It's mm. experimental. You sort of, so you try it out, you know, okay, I'll offer baby an, um, a nap. You know, baby likes mm. to go to sleep when they're rocked, so I'll give baby a bit of a rock. Ah, baby didn't go to sleep. Hmm. Maybe I was wrong about that. Mm. So I'll try something something new. And then with that flexible experimentation, with time, the the patterns that are there will become to start to emerge and become clear. And there'll always be times where you get it wrong, where you think yeah. something's happening and it's not quite right. But that's where the flexibility comes into it. Mm. It's the it's it's not about reading baby's cues like it's a a semaphore code or something. You know, mm. it's about. Um, being flexible in the moment, kind of going where where things take you. And if you, you've decided you've gone a little bit in the wrong direction, well, correcting and getting back on course. Mm, that sort of um, matches with, with how I've begun to think about things. My, um, my thesis was actually in decision-making. Oh, okay, yes, um, yeah. And I experts in a field have what we'd call expert intuition but it's it's actually not it's not something they're born with it's from being in that environment for long enough and experimenting as you say and being flexible and seeing all the outcomes of all their different actions yes until they so we as mothers are becoming experts in our child Yes, absolutely. That is spot on. It is exactly exactly that that same dif- that same difference. It's that yeah that expert intuition, and you learn it. You, you, you no one can give it to you in a book. No, <laughs> no one can, can can give it to you in that way. You have to jump into the actual real situation and experiment, and mm. the life teaches you. The context teaches you. Yeah, and contrary to some of the sort of. I don't know the impression we get. It's not something that you get with your mother hormones either. That you you suddenly become a mother and voila, it's there. No, absolutely not. So you, I think there definitely is like like you say, there's that parental intuition, mm. but it's the same as that expert intuition that you see in other fields. The way you know, so actually, an incredible medical doctor can just pick a diagnosis. You know, one minute after walking into a room, exactly. Um, yeah. It's it's that same that same thing. It's not it's not about mother's hormones or anything. It's about jumping into the situation, being flexible, experimenting, and with time you get to know your child. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you won't necessarily know how you know, but you will know when they're tired. Exactly. Yeah. It, exactly. And sometimes, yeah, you won't be you won't be able to say what it, what it is exactly, yeah. but you'll just know. Oh, yeah, they are tired right now. Yeah. 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 yeah wonderful. Okay. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, so I've got the impression from listening over what we started with in this um, podcast with sure. with this um, possum sleep intervention that um, breastfeeding and co-sleeping are sort of uh, favourable if not central. Um, I'm just wondering because obviously some parents can't breastfeed and can't co-sleep. Um, so yep. what's what's can they can possum sleep intervention help them as well? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the the whole um, of services at Possums are open to, um, you know, formula feeding um, or breastfeeding or, or combination feeding. So um, mums who formula feed or who combination feed will not feel in any way, I guess, um, excluded or um, in any way from any of the possum services. It's very much going beyond that mm. um, artificial divide, in fact. Yeah. So it's, it's about fully supporting breastfeeding yep. when breastfeeding is what, what's happening mm. and not giving advice that then is actually going to undermine breastfeeding mm. without the, without the mum being aware that that's what's, what's going on. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, if formula feeding's happening, if combination feeding's happening, that's absolutely fantastic as well. And, in fact, in the full suite of what's offered at, at Possums, mm. uh, you know, there's a lot of really lovely support for um, mums who are using a bottle to feed, whether it's formula or express breast milk in the bottle, of how to do that in a cued way um, and how to, to pace that bottle feeding. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, wonderful. Because I know it, that there can, as, as you say, become quite an artificial divide and, and people can... They can, yeah. And so possibly... Absolutely. So Possums is very much about moving moving beyond that and supporting, you know, optimal infant feeding no matter what the method is. So which would be feeding um, by the by the infant's cues. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And same with and co-sleeping, I guess. Co-sleeping same with co-sleeping. So the evidence suggests that um, unless there's particular um, contraindications, so um, you know, if mum smokes or something like that, mm. um, then having baby in the same the same bed is is actually okay. Mm. And there's um, some research progressing on um, being able to have baby in the same bed with those contraindications using um, like a, a pod that then protects the baby, so that the baby has little walls um, yeah. a, around her. So you those kinds of devices, you know, you can buy them at the shops at like Big W and Target yeah. very easily. But there's only just now um, some research on back up whether or not they actually do reduce risk mm. but logically they, they really should yeah. so um so that's that's a fantastic option as well so what we would say is that if you look at the um the guidelines around safe sleeping that it's very important for baby to be within sensory distance mm. so for that six is, months at least and possibly more. for the six months yeah yeah especially yeah. yeah so um so it's totally fine for baby to be in a separate cot if that's what works best for for the parents but that separate cot should definitely be within sensory distance of the of the parents in those first six months Mm, yeah yeah wonderful um and you wanted to talk about um how act is incorporated throughout yes because we haven't really touched on that um that on that very much and i think how that comes into it and you know in, in it comes into it in a couple of ways um one of the ways is that you know most interventions for for baby sleep really are focusing on the infant sleep and trying to get the infant to sleep over a longer duration mm. and without waking up as much at night and the mm. assumption is that once we get the baby doing that then um you know mum and dad will be able to sleep better mm. But as I sort of suggested earlier, that assumption is actually pretty shaky. Mm. You know, the literature doesn't really fully suggest that the link is that simple. And, in fact, 
the, you know, it's the mother's ability to get herself back to sleep, maternal sleep efficiency, mm. once baby's gone to sleep, is actually plays a huge role in the um, how good quality of sleep she ends up getting at the end of the night. So um, we try and support the mother's sleep efficiency as well mm. with so with mindfulness exercises, um, with relaxation exercises, with taking the pressure off sleep mm. and focusing on living this rewarding life that's also a sleep promoting life it's also a life that promotes healthful sleep when it comes and so not pushing this sort of pressure cooker of anxiety Mm -hmm. around sleep which ironically makes it it makes it harder to fall asleep that's right must fall asleep now now must fall asleep yeah Exactly. So this is where all the act stuff, the the, the mindfulness, mm. the the diffusion as well. Because often what happens is, you know, you get woken a couple of times at a night, and then you you finally get baby back to sleep, and so you're able to turn return to sleep, and then you start thinking, oh gosh, um, you know, I haven't gotten as good a night's sleep mm. tonight. Oh 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 no oh no <laughs> you know, well, I'm going to be tired tomorrow, and you know those thoughts are true. They're not not true. You mm. you know might know that you're going to be more tired tomorrow but getting stuck with them and churning them over Mm. is actually going to make it much harder to fall asleep and get the best night's sleep you now can get so if we can diffuse from those thoughts Mm. if we can them really lightly um and just focus on relaxing in bed in that moment, then it makes it much easier to fall asleep and get the best night's sleep you can. So that's where you might actually lie in bed and um, diffuse those thoughts by, for example, imagining them on leaves floating past, that Absolutely. sort of thing? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, wonderful. Um, and, yeah, I guess um, I've sort of thought of mindfulness as must not fall asleep during mindfulness because that's not mindfulness. But I guess in this case, doing it in bed just before falling asleep is fine. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's if that's a useful way to practice mindfulness for you, then I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, okay, wonderful. Um, so I think you've... I think we've sort of, um, I've, I've got a fairly good sense of what possums is about from what we've sort of already covered. Um, but just sort of as way of summary, if you like, um, could you just walk us through, if I were to come into your clinic and sign up for possum sleep intervention, um, yep. say, for example, I had a one-year-old, um, yep. what, what sort of broad steps could I expect to go through with you? Yeah, well, there's actually a few ways you could um, access the possum sleep intervention. So, um, so um, we do have uh, the possum sleep film, which is available online. So, um, for people who who don't um, have access to the possums to the possums clinic, because you don't um, don't live in Brisbane, you're not you're not happy to have uh, Skype consultations. You can get um, access to possum sleep um, film online. It's more targeted for birth to six months. Yeah. So, as I said, we've adapted and added more for beyond beyond mm-hmm. six months 
that's sort of not as easily accessible yet, but it's still it still can be worth watching. I mm. think if your if your child's beyond the six month the six month mark, because everything in it kind of applies. It's just there's more that applies to that you won't quite you won't quite hear about as easily. So that's one easy way of of accessing it. If you accessed it through um, through the the Possums Clinic, so either through Skype consultations or through um, you know, face-to-face sessions. Yeah. Um, usually what, what happens is there's initially um, um, a, a long a consultation with um, a GP there. So um, so that would be uh, Dr. Pamela Douglas. And she would go through, you know, find out what's happening broadly for yourself um, and your baby. And then if it's sleep that's the area of concern, then that's when it would kind of go into the, the, the sleep intervention. Mm. So it might happen through one-on-one consultations then uh, with with Pam mm. or it could be that um, th- they also run uh, group uh, sessions mm. where you can have touch base um, their shared care appointments so you can touch base with Pam as a GP in that in that session mm. and also um, have the content within within the group um, being delivered of the of the, the sleep intervention so you kind of get all the information in that easy way but then you have that one-on-one touching base with a GP as well to make sure you're tailoring it all to your exact um, needs so um, so those are probably the ways in which it would it would be accessed if you um, made an appointment at the possums clinic wonderful and I, I gather that I, I presume that the group sessions wouldn't be accessible via Skype so the Skype would be a one-on-one thing uh, no this the group sessions are not through, um, online at the moment but they do have uh, Skype consultations yeah. um, so yeah, certainly if someone you know doesn't live in Brisbane, but they're really keen to to have a, a consultation to ensure that they're using you know the possum sleep intervention just right for their family, that would certainly be something they could do. Okay, yeah. fantastic! Wow, that sounds great. And you mentioned online health practitioner training in your paper. Sure. How's that progressing? Um, so it's progressing well. So the um, the health practitioner training isn't actually online yet. Yep. So we're but we're running um, health practitioner training uh, sessions. So we've run a number of them, and we've got um, a lot of sessions um, scheduled through throughout Australia um, this year. So um, all of that's available on the on the Possums website. If there are any health professionals keen to to be trained, wonderful. Okay, very exciting. Um, so if my listeners want to learn more about the SWAT uh, possum sleep intervention uh, or implement it for themselves, where can they go? Yeah, so definitely the possums website would be the, the place to go. So um, possums yeah. online possumsonline.com yep. yep and as I said the possum sleep film is available um, online so that's a very easy way of accessing a lot of the content um, or you can make an appointment with the with the possums clinic and as I said they do do Skype consultations as well fantastic great okay very exciting if people want to learn more about you and your work where, where can they go so the easiest um, place to go is just go to my my website. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just my my full name. So it's www.coawittingham.com. Great, and I'll include a link to that in the show Fantastic. notes. Fantastic, thank yeah. you. You'll find the show notes for this episode at www.practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash coa six. So that's K O A six. 
Please listen into the next episode, the final episode with Koa, where we discuss dummies and separation anxiety. If you want to check out the possum sleep intervention for yourself, go to possumsonline.com.